Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Stewie Bates with the podcast Training the Pudding Labrador, episode number 207. And this episode is going to be just my personal um, thoughts uh, about preparing for the Triple Crown. If I were had a bunch of dogs and was trying to get them all ready for the Triple Crown and getting up to that time, you know, what, what would I want to know? What would I want to think about? And how would I, I would want to prepare? So <clears throat> I'm happy to just offer my two cents. You know, there's people that have run it and finished it and done a really great job who would have uh, terrific advice. But this is going to be uh, my two cents. I judged the one last year. I, it was the most enjoyable judging assignment of my entire life. Because watching all those dogs who knew exactly what they're doing, and most of the handlers... Um, a lot of them had a good idea. Some of them, the pros, were, were real fun to watch. Um, I, it was a much easier judging uh, thing because, you know, every these were all 4Xs. And they are all, most of them, knew what they were doing. And uh, it was a good, it was a great thing. And I'm judging again this year. But I'm not giving away any, this is what we're doing things. But I just want to, because I maybe have a little bit of an advantage uh, for anyone that hasn't run it yet. And I hope that we have a bunch of people because it really is. Uh, it, we're not hyping it. It's not a hype thing. It's really something special. To get through that and to do well means you're, you're a pretty good handler and that you have uh, a dog that's the real thing. And so I want to just, uh, just talk a little bit about that. So I want to make sure, before you, before you, if this is your first time, before you do it, or even if it's your second time, do the same thing. Make sure that you are very clear on what rule, what the rules are, the APLA rules. Make sure you're very clear on that. Not just the people you run under's interpretation of what those are. Because we have three of probably the most experienced people in the United States judging this thing this year. Um, three people that have absolutely no uh, agendas, uh, no desire to prove how clever they are. No desire to see how many dogs they can fail. No, just want to see what the organization expects out of the top shelf of the pointing lab, a finished pointing lab. So I, you know, I would be, if I were running under my other judges, I would be very happy about it. I would be relaxed. I would know I just had to have a good dog and I had to handle well and I had to do good dog work. Now, in the Triple Crown, it is the American Pointing Lab Association's national. AKC Hunt Test have the master national. Um, uh, the HRC has the grand, which is a little bit different. Anybody can get in there. Um, uh, very much like the AKC, like the hunt test and the field trials. In this one, you have to qualify. Part of the reason for that is because we have all of the retrieving series, which requires ducks. And then we have three days of upland. And we cannot purchase enough birds so that anyone who wanted to run the Triple Crown could do it. We don't have enough judges of the quality that we need. And we don't have enough grounds to be able to support as many people as want to run this as, as we can because of the upland thing, which is an equal part to all the retrieving part in this. So you have to qualify. And that's clearly written down in the rules and in the, on the Triple Crown information. But you are informed when you qualify, so people know. 
If you got your Forex this year, you are qualified. Calendar year from, I believe, August from August 1st of 2021 to August 1st of 2022. You get your Forex in that time period and you're qualified for the Triple Crown. It is the national. It is the best of the best. It is a three-day, a three-day event. So it's, it's one event and it lasts for three days. Each of those three days, there will be the Upland Field, the Master Upland Field, all three days. Each day of those three days, there will be a retrieving series. One of the three days, and you don't, we don't know which one, will be uh, land marks and blinds. One of the three days will be water marks and blinds. And one of the three days will be a mix of land and water work together. Could be in any sequence. But you will do one of those retrieving series and the upland field each day. And you have to pass you have to pass the, the first thing that you do, the retrieving series, assuming it's that, to get to the upland. And you have to pass that to get to the next day. So we don't carry everybody. Very unwieldy in this to have dogs running that aren't contending. And it is our national, so we're all going to, to the finishers. Um, now, in the marked retrieves, and you can read all this, in the marked retrieves on the three, of the three days, at least two of those have to be triples didn't say only two. At least two of those have to be triples. The other can be a double, can be a triple. It just depends on what's happening and the timing and the number of dogs and the space and all of that. So there will be at least two days of triples, perhaps three, perhaps not. There will be a blind in each one of those uh, retrieving series. So each day there will be at least one blind. Somewhere there must be a double blind. It's, we don't know where it could be on the land, it could be on the water, it could be on the mixed land water. There will be a double blind as well. All right? And again, on each day there will also be the upland field. And it's an elimination thing, so you have to maintain a certain score the whole way. If you drop below that, then um, the minimum score then you're not carried. So that's how it's set up. Now, I, and I'm going to talk a little bit about preparation because that's kind of what I'm all about. You know, in my world, I like to get ready for that stuff. Um, and that's what I want to talk about. But I want to make sure, just because I have a kind of a good advantage from being the oldest dirt and doing this on understanding what the rules are. Last year at the Triple Crown, some of the people knew the rules as well as we did we the judges some people knew the rules as they had experienced them in the tests that they'd run but they really didn't know what the organizations the the season most seasoned people interpretation of the judges of the rules we have a lot of issues in the uh, American Pointing Lab Associ Association and people have different interpretations of rules and so if you run a test somewhere uh, it, you get one version, and you might run it somewhere else and get a different version and get told something differently. So we understand that. We are working to make that better. However, 
you need to make sure that you understand the rules as viewed more by the organization, not just whoever taught you or the people that you're around. That's important. Also, as handlers running the Triple Crown, you are responsible for knowing the rules. You are responsible for finding out if there's something that you do not know. One of the things that I heard a couple times last year is, well, no one ever told me that. Well, it's no one's responsibility to tell you that. When you come there as a contestant, as a participant, you need to make sure that you are aware of everything you need to be aware of. That is your job. That's your job. If you work with a pro, the pro to help you, if they know that stuff, your training group, and read, 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 and ask questions. But you are expected, when we judge you, you are expected to know what the rules are. I, you know, I don't want to have to go tell you, hey, 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 remember, you can't woe them into a point. I mean, you can't. People need to know what the rules are on, on every level. So do what it takes to find out that you do. Some of the places where it can be dicey, and I'm just going to throw this out. I'm not giving away any secrets here. Uh, one of the things that's, that's very important is dogs at this level, a finished pointing lab that already is a 4X, that is a, the epitome of what we're sh all shooting for, there's a certain level of expectation. One is that there is no intimidation, that there's no place where there's any screaming, yelling, standing over, there's no intimidation. Now, I have heard, I have had many friendly debates with people who want to argue with me about what intimidation is. And intimidation is not, and I'm not speaking for anybody but my own experience, intimidation is not necessarily a body position. It is not necessarily a tone of voice. People who know what they're looking at do know, though, because intimidation is when you are doing something that is impacting your dog's behavior in a bit of a dominating manner, okay? And with a little bit of intimidation in it. If you, if you stand over the top of your dog while you're getting ready for, to send them on, a, on the retrieve, right? That is intimidating. You are literally unnaturally close to the dog. If you stand in front of the dog and prevent them from seeing things, if you use a decibel level that can be uh, basically called a scream or a yell or where all, everyone has to cover their ears, that is intimidation. Anytime you are interfering with what your dog would do on its own in a slightly frightening sense, that's intimidation. And it can look a lot of different ways. And the judges that will be judging will know exactly what that is. So that's something you can't do. Everybody there knows you can't touch your dog. Another thing that needs to be very clear is your dog cannot chase anything under any circumstance. <laughs> so chasing the dog in the rules, it says they are to be steady, to, to flat wing, shot, flush, all of it. So if a, a neighboring bird flies game bird flies right over your dog while they're all out in the, when they're out in the field hunting, it's not even one that's been planted, they are not to chase that bird. If they have an inadvertent bump, they're on the upwind side of, of a bird and it flies up, there is to be no chase. And when the dog is, when the bird is produced 
and is running or flying, it is not to be chased. The dog is to be steady to the flush, to wing, and to shot. And wing means anything flying. It doesn't matter how it got into the wing position. It cannot chase any of those things. So dogs that do chase, that is a, that is a very big negative thing. You can't do that at this level. One of the other things that I know is often a major, people just really argue over the interpretation of this. I, I, I never have. But uh, you're allowed, I believe, one controlled break. You can't have any uncontrolled break. So just to kind of throw it out there for people that are going to be running in this, a controlled break means that the dog has shown that it is intending to do, take the retrieve, go after the retrieve, and you have to control it to stop it from going. That's a controlled break. When the dog has shown, I'm going for the retrieve, and you can control that behavior and stop them. When a dog wants to go and goes out 25 yards and you can reel them back in, that is not a controlled. That is an uncontrolled break. So it means you're on top of the situation. If you feel like your dog is, is going to take off, don't let it. Because if it does take off, even if you can get it back in 10 or 15 feet, it initiated the retrieve and it was uncontrolled for, you know, you had to have a, quite a fight. At this level, okay, a, a controlled break means a, a break that was initiated and controlled, not slowly reeled back. So that needs to be also very clear. And there, there might be a lot of other rules when you go there. And every day at the beginning, there'll be a test dog for you to see things. And before, before on, the, on the handler's meeting that occurs, I believe, the night before, when everybody's there, that's the place. You've got the three judges there. Ask questions. You know, you can't say, are you going to fail us if we do this? You can't, uh, you know, you can't ask that. But ask about, you know, things that you're confused or concerned about. Make sure that you ask questions from the judges as to what their interpretation is and what the expectation is. Because whether you agree with it, like it, or whatever, it is what's going to be, you're going to be held account accountable for while you're running. Okay? So make sure that you really have a real fundamental understanding of what all those things are. You can't touch your dog. All right? You can't, uh, and I don't need to tell this to anybody running this thing. You can't cue your dog into a point. When the dog does go on a point in the upland field, you may steady it in a non-intimidating manner. All right? But you may not cue it into that, and you may not stand over it and and threaten this thing within an inch of its life if it takes a step. And the pointing, I'll just say this, needs to be real. It needs to be real pointing. It needs to be something if we had a bunch of pointer guys standing there behind us, they went, holy cow, that's a good point. Needs to be real. I mean, it needs, to, but the ones that, the ones I saw last year, almost all were just really good. So make sure you are aware of that interpretation. Find out things. Make sure it's very clear in your mind and that consistently from now until when you run um, in the very beginning of September, that you're holding the standard that you want to hold while you're running the national. I think one of the other things that I didn't mention that will be, there will be an honor, which is not something that is done in uh, the normal master level APLA test. There will be an honor, and it will be an honor just like is done in other venues that do this. 
That is, after a dog has performed the retrieving series, whatever it is, then they, they are to be located next to, somewhere next to, close to where the next working dog is going to be. Not in front of them, not interfering in any way, but close. And they have to stay there and not, and, and let honor as the dog, all the birds go down and the dog is sent after whatever, the first bird then the judges will release and say, honor dog excused, and you turn away from the work. <laughs> Don't take a step in the direction of anything. Take a step exactly the opposite away from it and get away. If you've honored before and other things, you know how to do this. You cannot prevent your honor dog from seeing all the birds. You can't stand in their way. You can't block their view. They have to see the other stuff going. And you may not, you may steady and it quietly steady your dog if necessary, but you may not interfere with the working dog. So if you're screaming, sit, or whatever, and you interfere with the working dog, that's a big no-no, okay? Don't, you can't do that. I mean, if your dog breaks and takes off and interferes with the working dog, you're out on that kind of a thing. So make sure you're accustomed to honoring. You know, I don't, even if you don't have a big training group, you're gonna have to find a way to make sure that your dog knows how to, after they've run the series, stand over next to you you may not stand over them intimidate them scream at them or block their view in any way so teach your dog how to honor that'll be in one of those series somewhere you cannot <clears throat> show your dog the marks when you come up you cannot walk up to the line sit down on any of the series and point out the left bird and point out the right bird and then point out the middle bird. you can't do that you walk up to the line just like you were running uh, any other hunt test and take the time that you need to prepare and have your dog lined up right. But if you're sitting there and it's been 20, 30 seconds, we're probably just going to signal and proceed. You can't take a ridiculous amount of time, right? But you do, you get the time to make sure your dog is seated and they're calmed down and everything's understood. And I'll just say this, having run these hunt tests for a million years, when you are the working dog, and there is an honor dog over to your side, not very far away from you, that has to sit quietly. Before you signal for the birds, it, it doesn't seem to be done much anymore, but it has always been hunt test etiquette before you signal for the birds to, do, to ask the honor dog if they're ready. So that's just good etiquette, and I would suggest everybody does that to make sure they're not... Right now, the dog's getting up and turning around and doing something, and you, that's right when you signal for birds. So that's just like etiquette thing that I would advise to help one another out as contestants in there. Um, every morning at a high, before the uh, event, before the thing, when the test dog's going to run, watch and ask questions. Make sure you understand. Now, I'm going to say at this level, if there's a water blind and it's water almost all the way to it, do not ask if your dog has to get in the water, okay? Not at this level. If there's a blind that has a point in the middle of it, <laughs> and the blind is directly over the point. Don't ask, do I have to get on the point? Um, this is the national. Take as direct a way as you can um, to the blind. And, you know, don't, don't act like this is your first hunt test and do I actually have to get my dog wet? All right, so that's kind of the rules and what things are going to be happening. I had thought last year, I thought three days of upland, oh my gosh. This ought to be a wild and crazy uh, third day, and it was not. The, the good dogs were good every single day, even on the third day. 
It was the most impressive thing I think I've ever seen. Because I thought that third day, it was going to be just a, a, a carnival. And, man, it was a thing of beauty. It really was. Particularly the dogs and the handlers that were very well prepared. So that's what I really want to be able to talk about. And I won't go too much longer. I've already gone a while here. Is the preparation. Now, you, if you're qualified for the Triple Crown or close, you probably do know what you're doing. And so I don't mean to tell anybody who already knows what they're doing what to do. But I will say, if you're concerned, and this is a new thing for you, haven't done it before, uh, some ways to approach this, this is the trainer in me now, right? This is just the person that does this. When you go there, when you drive to Divide Colorado and you're getting ready to do this, the dog you got in that vehicle with you, the state of mind you want that dog to be in, one, you want them to be super fit, right? Because they got three days of a lot of work. And it's not like the Master National where you run one series today and then that's it. You're going to run two series every day that while well, you're still in that thing. So it's a lot of work. And that upland field is, is a lot of work. And at Divide, you're at a little bit of altitude. I, I don't quote me on this. 8,500 feet, maybe? 8,000. There's altitude. So make sure your dogs are going to be fit. That's... That's, you don't want, when they're tired, you know, and they're tired and it's the third day and you don't want them tired and then, you know, just grabbing the bird because they're just, don't, you know, don't hurt yourself that way. Work on the endurance and the fitness of this dog. So all three of these days, that dog is good for every day. And that'll include you too, because walking those upland fields every three days in a row like that, if you don't do it all the time, it's hard. <laughs> it that last thing gets a little tough, especially if there's some uphill and then downhill, which we may well have up there in the mountains. Make sure you have the fitness. Make sure, in my this my opinion now, make sure that you do upland with some consistency all the way into this. I, you know, that doesn't, there's people who don't do it till the week before and then they do great. So, you know, I don't even know how that works. But I would have my dog where they were reliable in the upland field. They were reliable. If the birds were planted tight, if the birds were planted loose, um, if they, whatever it is that these guys really knew they're really this. In other words, when, they, when you go in the upland field, you're both comfortable. You are both, the music is playing, right? You both know what your roles are and what you're doing. And generally, the way you get that way is if you have been dancing every week with or, you know, as often as you can, getting ready for this. You want that dog to go, all right, I know what I'm doing out here. Just stick with me. You want that kind of, and the way you get that, right, is, of course, to have all the steadiness worked out, completely de-chased, completely steady on, on stuff, steady to shot, steady to wing, all of that. You can do drills. You know, you don't train all that necessarily in the upland field. Some people do. But you can train steady to shot, steady to a flush, steady to all kinds of stuff. You can do drills for that. And that way you can do it more frequently so they know every time I hear a gun, man, I just stop right where I am. Or every time a bird flies, I just stop right where I am. So you can do a lot of drills to get that ready. You don't teach it all in the upland field. If you already have a four time, then you kind of already know all this stuff. But really the dog being very comfortable so you just put the music on and you guys go do your thing is an optimal way to enter that three days of upland in a row. They get pretty 
happy about it. <laughs> so that's something to think about. Also, because there are going to be triples here, that does not mean, all right, from now on, every day, go out there and do a lot of triples in your in, in your work. Yes, your dog has to be able to understand uh, three marks going down. And, it, and make sure that it's not always the same. And make sure they're not all 100 yards. Make sure nothing is con a pattern so that they learn a pattern instead of how to mark three very different birds. You could have the long one down, last bird down. You could have the short one, last bird down. You could have the middle one be the short one, but it's the first bird that went. And so don't create any kind of habit in your dog. Make sure, however your dog learns, that they can count to three and they understand that. More importantly than that is that they mark well. Because you can have the easiest looking triple in the world, but bird placement, make sure those dogs have to mark well. And that's something, we're not gonna, it's not going to be super hard on that, but it's also not going to be super easy. Your dog's going to have to be able to mark three birds. And so... Make sure that your your marking is very good, and that you have it different ways, different links, different stuff, in, all kinds of stuff. You guys know this stuff. That's very important, so that the dog and it, you know, for me, my dogs run a lot of singles, so that they look out, their head doesn't swing, they stare at that one bird, and they go as best they can right to that spot. So you want a dog that comes to this thing in the in your vehicle with you that has that I can do this attitude they're not you don't want them you're testing them you're doing a double blind and a triple because between now and then to get already and so they've go out there and get trouble or they don't really fully see the picture of what they're doing or they don't understand and as you get closer and closer and you get more worried and you keep setting up this stuff your dog's confidence in all of this drops that is the last thing you want you want a dog that walks up there and goes, whatever this is, I can do it. And so you want to gauge your training to make sure they can do these triples and they can do a double blind connected in with that, but that they also know they can and that they have ma they feel like they've mastered what they're doing. That's real important. And don't just do your setups. If you can, do somebody else's. Tell somebody else to set something up. It may be nothing you like, but it's not what you do. And you don't want your dog to just fall into this. Whether you know it or not, When I set up my own marks all the time. And I start seeing patterns that I do all the, you know, and so I go, somebody else, you guys set this up. Because I, I don't want to always be doing what I do with the dogs. And, at, you know, I think that's a real good idea. And on your blinds, okay, uh, at this level, on your blinds, you may have an under the arc blind. You may have a right by the gunning station blind. You may have a right over the mark past it blind. You know, you could have one that's not related at all way over to the side. Um, so make sure that your dog handles well land and water and that they can run more than one blind at a time. I mean, if all you ever run are, are events that just have single blinds, then your dog does one, thinks they're done. So make sure that your dog can run more than one blind and it can be combined with the marks or not or whatever it is that they're just very good at that. And usually that's best done, trainer and me talking now, by breaking down with the basics first simply to make sure that you can do a single under the arc blind well and that they understand what that is. Or that they can run right over an old fall and keep going because they understand what that is. Or that they can... They can do a tight blind to something else because they know what that is. So you don't do it all at once, 
But just go through these things one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. Maybe on one day you kind of put a few of them together. See where you're weak and go back. So make sure, again, I, w I want a dog that's coming to that line going, yay, I'm finally my turn. Here we go. I can do this. And they're not looking out. They're going, oh, God, I hope I don't get in trouble. <laughs> so that's that's real important. So getting to a half hour here. That's I'm winding, kind of winding up on this. But that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of different pieces. A lot of little different pieces. The drills for the steadiness stuff in the upland field. You know, and the drills for certain kind of blinds and certain kind of mark combinations. Things that you can do to teach those things. And if you get your dog a little wobbly, back off and get the confidence back. Because on, on game three days there, you need them all fully engaged in this. And also fully have full conviction that they can do all this stuff. And if you encounter a set of marks or a blind that you've never done before or never seen before, don't worry about it. Just take out the other thoughts in your mind when you see that. And just that's a single blind and you're in a field all by yourself just training your dog. Handle it that way. The, uh, you, you'll be nervous. Everybody will be nervous. Every, the pros are nervous. right? Everyone's going to be nervous. That's part of the deal. Just be ready. But make sure that you have all the elements of being ready. Make sure if you can train at altitude, train at altitude. If you can't, make sure. It, now, this is the athlete side. Make sure if you're down at sea level or, you know, 1,500 feet or something. If you can't get the cardio from not having enough oxygen in the air so that they, they learn that way by training at altitude, then you need to do some endurance stuff. You need, if you're at a lower altitude, do some endurance stuff. So maybe on a, when it's not too, too hot, you know, go out with your dog on a bicycle. So you both get some work because you're going to need it too. And take them for a half hour ride at, at a constant speed. They can't be running all crazy at a constant speed. That way you build up some of that cardio so when they go to altitude, at least they got a little bit better of that, the lung thing going than they would otherwise. I would do that. It's not like you're at top of Pike's Peak, all right? You don't have to worry about that. But fitness is a factor in this. I will guarantee you. I watched it, and it for people and dogs, because that's three days of upland field and three days, and then you're nervous on top of it at the same time. You know, if you can get out a little bit early and acclimate your dog, just like if you were going up there to race the Pike Peak Marathon. You'd want to go out early so you can adjust a little bit more and have your dog do that. I, again, I'm going to say it again, everybody. Fitness is a really big deal on this. Make sure your dog is not carrying extra weight. Make sure that they can go. That I would, you know, I like want my dog to be able to run an hour and a half, two hours. Just be, I, if, for my dogs that are going to go do that stuff, they got to be able to just run, extended run, and stay at it. That way I know they can get through three days of that and be good. It's completely feasible. But you've got to get them in the fitness thing. Make sure that you can fuel them correctly. You know, they used to have power bars for dogs. I don't, you know, I don't know what it is. But just make sure that, you know, don't feed your dog a big breakfast because you certainly don't want to work hard with a intestines full of food. But make sure that you take care of the hydration and, and we have really cool uh, triple crown water bottles for you to have in the upland field. Um, I love that. Really important. The reason, and, and I kind of push that, because the water is critical. 
for one, when you're just running for 20 straight minutes, it's critical. And then two, when you're running at altitude, it's really critical for you and your dog. So make sure you've got that. Um, the last thing that I'll throw at all our potential and our, our contestants that are coming is when we do the upland field, now we're not going to be, it, it, it's not going to be hot, which is one of the reasons that this is being held here. It, and again, we're not up where you got to have oxygen mask, okay? Don't worry about that. And we're, we're high enough where it's not going to be. I've never been real hot there. Uh, so we're expecting that not to be a problem at all. Could have any kind of weather. Could have chilly weather at that, you know. So the heat isn't going to be something that I would um, be too concerned about. So we're not going to... The t we should have, depending on how many dogs we have and how long this takes... We go a lot closer to the full time and all the bird contacts. This is the national now. We don't have to hold back anything and have our little extra insurance policy bird or anything like that. So last year, I will say, all the dogs had four bird contacts. All of them did. Except one didn't fail because it only found uh, two birds. But the, the owner, the handler only hunted 25% uh, of the field. So it was just a handler mistake being nervous, um, <laughs> which can so easily happen. Uh, but uh, other than that, everybody had four bird contacts, not because we insisted on it, but because they were that good. And we just adjusted the size of the field for how much time of day, and it was warm where last year's was in Missouri. So we adjusted for that. But we got all the bird contacts, so your dog needs to be as good on number four as they are on number one or two. So you can expect... Not to have two points and be taken out of the field. We're at the national. These are the best of the best. So make sure your dog is good on four birds and is used to hunting, you know, longer than five minutes. None of that kind of stuff will be happening here. You get your four points and you get all that, then we're going to be out. And if you're out in eight minutes or 10 minutes, yay for you. If it takes you 15 to get there or, or 20, then we're going to be a lot closer to that. I can't tell you for sure. But this is the national, so we're not going to do, hey, two and out, let's go. Not going to happen. These guys have to be real real hunters that know how to hunt the whole field, find all the birds, and have a, a consistent and beautiful musical performance on these things. So I probably am going to shut this thing down and go, oh, you forgot to say this or that. But um, So make sure you bring all your, you know, your orange vest and all your gear. No white clothes. Obviously, um, dress appropriately. Bring, it, it might be chilly. It will be chilly in the mornings. So make sure, and this is Colorado. So be ready for anything. Bring rain gear, bring boots, <laughs> bring, bring stuff for a bit being cold. Uh, be ready for everything. And, and above all, for all of you that have qualified for this, that is impressive. I will say that. That is impressive. And these dogs are amazing. And the people that are doing this with them are amazing. And it is. And I believe we're going to have some filming going on at this. It is an absolutely beautiful sight to watch the work that these dogs can do. Because they go out and do, again, it's a symphony in the upland field with these guys. Absolutely beautiful to watch. Turn around and do a triple and a, and a double water blind. You know, they could duck hunt anywhere, anything in the world. It is, one, the fact that you got there says a lot about you and your dog. 
And being there is a really big deal. And it, when you go, for those of you going, and when you see this and you're a part of it, I mean, this is the beginning of something very, very special. Uh, finally, in the acknowledgement of these dogs and the, and the level that they can perform, and that's what we've got here. And I, you know, I was so impressed last year, and I've seen the best dogs, Pointing Labs, for years. You know, I, that, I know what that looks like. But just dog after dog and person after person, and it was, I loved it. It was absolutely wonderful experience, and I'm so glad I get to be back there this year. And I want the people who have qualified and who are part of this, one, you know, give yourself a pat on the back. I sure do, and so will a lot of other people here. You'll be amongst a bunch of crazies just like you. And it is, um, I, I made so many new friends, and it was such a fun camaraderie because we all have some stuff very much in common. So I hope those of you who qualified can go. And um, when you do, be ready. And then just get on in there and enjoy yourself and reap the, the benefits of all the work you've done. It is kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It's a big deal. So, all right, that's that one. Back to regular stuff after this. I just wanted to get that out for everybody because I just want people to be as ready as they can. You know, it would be fun to have absolutely everybody get their triple crown finisher deal. It's also going to be the way to get in the Hall of Fame is going to be the points through this stuff too. So get, get in there and get it going. It's a, it's a pretty good deal. Wishing you guys good luck. For those of you there, I will see you. And uh, I will be pulling for you. Just make sure you know the rules and ask any questions that you have to. In the meantime, everybody stay healthy and happy, and I'll be back soon.